All right, let me tell you about the Sith. You recognize that? Yeah, I'm ready to be blurry, just, just so that I don't offend anybody uh, with the imagery on the screen there. Okay, so look, that's in Rome. It's in Vatican City. It's a masterpiece. Okay, it's just an amazing thing to behold. Anybody seen that? Yeah, Pippa, Helen, just extraordinary. The whole of Vatican City is Michelangelo painted this sometime between 1508 and 1512. And the whole ceiling and the sides depict various events or, or persons from the Old Testament, but the centre of which is this here. And it's, it's a, does anybody know what the image is relaying? It's Creation, yeah, God creating, giving life and awareness, okay, uh, switching him on. Adam, is, and the reason he's in the center of the, the ceiling of the painting is because of all the things that God has done. And look, this should give you a lift. Of all the things that God created, the chief of his creation in Eden was Adam. He was the center it wasn't the sun. Really, the center of creation, the center of the universe was a planet, Earth, and the center of the center of the center was Adam. He was the chief and ultimate creation. You know, of all the things that God created, he didn't say of anything that he was created in his image. Hey, why do we value human life as much as we do? Of all of existence, of creation, the thing we value the most is human life because we are the object that is most like God, his highest and chief creation. Look, I don't know what you think of yourself, but you are the object of Jesus' chief creation. Of all the things that he values, and he values his world, and we're going to see that today, he values you as the highest thing in this universe. Hey, you mean something to Jesus, at least, and I'm sure to many, many other people. So I tell you that because it, it really paints the background for this psalm. So let's look at it together. We're going to begin. There's several points. If you're wondering why we're in Psalm 8, I thought I'll give you a breather from uh, Ruth before we resume, probably next week, back to chapter 4, and then we'll conclude Ruth by 2021. Bye. By a, I reckon no, I reckon September, August, something like that. Okay, Psalm 8. The greatness of God. The greatness of God. So we're going to begin with God because as wonderful as we are, there's someone more wonderful. Okay, and it's not your partner. Okay, it's God. Look, the greatness of God. Verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He, he's first and he has to be first. He has to be first this morning. Whatever else might be on our radar, God has to be first. Look, listen to this. Oh Lord, the capital here, you know. Why do we capitalize Lord in the Old Testament? It's a reference to his name, Jehovah. Would it be braver than the Jews were who were very reluctant to take that name on their lips? So whenever it's capitalized, it's when it's the name of God. It's very personal. Oh, oh Lord, O oh Jehovah, 
our Lord, not in capitals, so it's various other words in this context here. It's just another term for God, okay? How majestic, how wonderful, how amazing is your name in all the earth. We may not think it, we may not know it, but God's name is majestic. Let me retranslate this to you. I mean, that's in the original. If we were retranslating this into our English, it would say something like this. O Jehovah, our King or our God, the whole earth reveals your royal majesty, reveals the royal majesty of your great name, its power, its glory. Can you see what it's saying? This is how we praise God. Have you ever wondered how you praise God? You know, how do you give him glory? Well, something like this would be really good. To refer to him as someone personal. You know his name. Hey, that's significant. Seriously. You know his name. Okay? You know he's king. The earth reveals his majesty. His name is great. This is how we praise God. Praise songs should include these terms. So, look, the verse continues. You have set your glory above the heavens. So, there's glory here. You are Jesus' glory. Okay? The world out there is Jesus' glory. Every little bit. And so is the heavens. I know it's so vast and it's so distant. And most of the time we can't see. And even at night we can only see, I think at most 3,000 of the stars. And yet, you've only got to take a telescope. Have you ever done that and looked into the night sky or camped out? And all of a sudden you see things you just can't see with the naked eye. And you begin to realize that it's vast up there. And here's what the psalm says. You've set, God has set his glory in the vastness of that space. I'm going to talk a bit more about it a bit later, so I won't say much more then. So, so here's the point. If we look at a rose, hey, what was the last time? I was taking a picture of flowers a couple of days back. Uh, have you ever looked closely at a flower? Incredible, a rose, a tree, a, a mountain. Okay, amazing stuff. Wild creatures, okay? A beast, just incredible. It's amazing how, how close you can get to these things with modern technology, okay? Just amazing. I mean, take a, uh, it's a cheetah up there. I mean, just look at the detail in his face there. Incredible creature. Incredible. And what we're meant to see when we look at these things, when you look at a cheetah or a rose or or, or a mountain there, okay, you're meant to see what? Someone tell me. I don't know why I have to do all the work. Someone tell me. What are we meant to see? The glory of God. Really? Look, when you looked at that painting that Michelangelo did earlier, I can guarantee of the thousands of visitors that go through the Vatican, who, that are marring the picture, but who are they glorifying, exalting, appreciating in their hearts and mind? Michelangelo. Yeah, yeah, maybe that too. Okay? Because they know he did it. When we look at a rose, at a mountain, okay, at a creature, the idea is that we're meant to appreciate the magnificence, the glory, the wonder, the brilliance. I mean, how brilliant is a cheetah? Perhaps, I mean, 
Hey, how fast can you run, Pete? 100k an hour? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> if he was chasing you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can run over 100 kilometers per hour. Imagine stealthy creatures, immense intelligence, brilliant communication skill, okay, brilliant reconnaissance, and absolutely exceptional creature. And when you look at that, we're meant to think, wow. You see, because if that cheetah possesses all those qualities, what does that tell you about the person or being that created all those qualities? What's it tell you? That he's greater. Can you see the point? Okay, if that possesses that, then the object that created it must by default be superior to all those qualities. It tells us something of the greatness of God. Has Romans 1, 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... What time did I start? Half past. Okay. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature... So, okay, details about God have been clearly seen, being understood from what? Someone finished that sentence. What have we understood the details of God from? What was being created? Seriously, the next time you visit Minata, uh, or, or, or your family's house, or, or, or climb some mountain, okay, you must see something of the brilliance of God. And so, Christian. If we miss that, if we can look at the vastness and the greatness and the brilliance of our world and assume or conclude that it just happened. And this is not me speaking, so don't shoot the speaker. But God says, hear him out. And he has a right to speak. It's his world. He says, you're a fool. You're an absolute fool. He isn't saying you're necessarily intellectually bankrupt. Okay, there's a lot of very clever people who think there's no God. But your judgment of truth, your ability to truly comprehend, you know, great intelligence can make you mad. That's why I'm so mad. I wish. Okay, I wish. Okay? So mad that you miss the most obvious truth that the universe is screaming there's a God, there's a creator. It's a fool, you see, who says there is no God. So let me encourage you to do something, Christian, insofar as you're able to. Finances are always difficult and everything else. But travel! Seriously, travel! Go out on a day trip. Take a camera along. Or just... Oops. Or just a pair of specs. Okay? Uh, you know, the, your eyes, if they work well, you need a pair of specs if you've got eyes like mine. And look. Look at microscopic detail. Grab a microscope. Look out. Travel to another country if you get the opportunity. Okay? Mind you, there's this country so vast. One of the things I love about Australia, you, you don't need to travel to another country. It's such a diversity. Do you know? I mean, you guys have... Most of you have been born and bred here. Do you, are you aware what a vast and beautiful 
and diverse and interesting place just Australia is? I mean, don't tell my British compatriots I'm saying this. I mean, Britain is just as amazing and diverse. But it's just an amazing place. I mean, we've done a little bit of driving in the time we've lived here. Uh, I mean, Newcastle and back's one of the places we've been. And just in that relatively short journey, I mean, you can tell us how big Australia is, yeah? <laughs> okay? Vast and diverse. Incredible. Appreciate it, Christian. Let me, here's your homework. Go home today, forget the rain, and just appreciate something of the wonder of God's creation and worship Him. Worship Take out your Bibles or, or your iPhone. Hey, look, I shouldn't be popularizing Apple, should I? Take out your mobile device. Right? And read this psalm and glorify God because the greatness of our God is evident in it. Number one. Number two. Children. I'm sure there was water here for me. Was there? And where is it, please? Uh, is, that at, is it at the back? Yeah. Well, could someone just grab me some water before I, before I drop on the spot? Okay. Number two. Children are called to praise God. God. Someone has nicked my water, that's what it is, you see. Children are called to praise God. Verse 2. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Someone in the New Testament quoted that verse. Does he ring a bell? Someone in the New Testament quoted that verse. It's an Old Testament verse from Psalm 8. Someone in the New Testament quoted that verse. Does he ring any bells? Jesus. Thank you, Bron. Jesus. Matthew 21. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. And have you not read? What don't you read the scriptures? Teachers of the law, have you not read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? Thank you, Graham. I'm assuming assuming that's out of guilty conscience because you stole my water. (laughs) No, thank you, mate. Okay, the, the point here is God is glorified when little children however ignorant they may be, however unintelligent they may be in what they're doing, he's glorified by it. Hey, it's true, they probably don't understand. These little children probably understood very little, if anything, of what they were doing. And yet, they were doing something that brought God glory. They were doing something that they were designed for. Hey, let me tell you something. Little children are designed by God to glorify Him. That's what they're made for. And so whenever their mouths open, whenever their lips utter worship, praise to Him, however unintelligently it is done, it glorifies the God who designed them for that purpose. Let me tell you, this is a true story. Unbelievable. I'm sure something like this wouldn't happen here. Uh, I was visiting, we were visiting a church, a church that was considering me for the ministry in the country of UK, in one of, the, one of the countries in the UK there. 
And there was a pre-service prayer meeting. Some of the young children came along. And I was just flabbergasted, okay? Because these little children, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, were praying. Beautiful, eloquent, eloquent prayers. I was quite moved. And afterwards, unbelievable. Guess what happened afterwards? One of the, the, one of the, the, the adults did what? Have a guess. Grumbled. Made a complaint. Seriously, made a complaint that children shouldn't be praying. This is in a Bible-believing church. Broke my heart. Seriously. Do you know, you can have all the knowledge and miss something so small and, and so significant as that. Parents, it's a good thing to get your little kids, however much they understand, from the moment that the lips can utter words, to utter scripture, to, to memorize and say Psalm 23, to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Do you know that from the lips of little children? glorifies the God who made them. So let me tell you this. Our Sunday school staff, some of them are in here, some of them are out. Hey, do you know, when I was putting that little roster together and adding people's names, it was lovely that people were so willing to join it. And we managed to get eight people together, which means we can have a rotation every four weeks of our, of our junior church helpers so they can at least be in the service some of the time. But let me tell you this, when you're out there, you're not missing something. You know, don't beat yourself up. You know, look, oh, you know, I've got to do this thing because, well, I'm rusted on and, look, you know, someone's got to do it and those little kids don't really understand anyway and who cares what they know? Hey, hey. Jesus is glorified when they open their mouth and when they worship him and every time they do, you've had a part in contributing to the honour and praise and the glorifying of God through that little mouth. And who knows, but that little mouth may one day be a big mouth and stand behind the lectern and declare the glory of God. And that half an hour you gave up and, and, and missed a sermon, that half an hour you spent preparing that week was the key component in that boy's life and in the purposes of God being fulfilled for him. And God bless you, parents too. Hey, it's a real chore, isn't it? Look, I know of a morning, I'm trying to get the kids ready for school. The last thing I want to do is get the Bible out. Seriously. And yet... It has to be my highest priority. Parents, grandparents, okay? It's a great and good thing to teach children the knowledge of God. Get in there and you do that. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe of the avenger. 
Number three, God's mindful interest in humanity. God's mindful interest in humanity. This is, this is mind-blowing, okay? Listen to this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. How vast is the universe? Do we know? How, vast, how big is it? Yeah, it's at least that big, Nikki. At least that big. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I know that. I was just trying to forge you more intelligence than perhaps what's coming out there. Okay. It's fast. I'm going to try and illustrate it for you. Look, you know, it's, it's not my area of expertise. Not that I have any particular areas of expertise, except talking loudly and very, very fast. Okay. Look, I want you to imagine that the Earth, look, the Earth is 16,000 kilometers. Let me, I'm going to get my facts right here. 13. 13,000 kilometers in diameter, okay? You see I'm using kilometers here? I hope you appreciate this. That's a real discipline, seriously. Yeah, yeah, it's, real. it's taking all this time. Naomi's still got her phone on miles, okay? Okay, miles in Ks now. Okay, so the Earth is 13,000 kilometers in diameter. If you imagine we're going to shrink it down to the size of a grape, that's obviously not a comparison, illustration, okay? We're going to shrink the Earth 13,000 kilometers down to the size of a grape, or one and a half centimeters, two centimeters, okay? I'll give you an idea of the size of the universe, okay? Something of it. So if the Earth is the size of a universe, scaled down from 13,000 kilometers down to one and a half centimeters, the moon will be the size of a pea, okay? So, you know, pretty compatible. The sun will be the size of a massive beach ball, four feet. Look, I'm going back to Imperial now. I can't keep doing this metric stuff. It just, just doesn't work, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. For, okay, uh, how much? 1,200 millimetres, okay? So that's the size of the sun. Thank you. You can keep translating if you want. Okay, that's the size of the sun. Our nearest, so our largest planet, Jupiter, would be on this scale of things, okay, something like three quarters of a kilometre away. On this scale, the largest planet, Jupiter, will be three, kil- three quarters of a kilometre away. Our nearest next sun, the nearest next solar system, each solar system has a sun or a star, our nearest solar system within our galaxy would be 38,000 kilometers away. You're getting something of the size of it? That's our nearest star. Now here's the thing, our galaxy is called the Milky Way, the chocolate bar named after it in the UK. Okay, it's called the Milky Way Galaxy. Our Milky Way Galaxy has, they say, I'm told, okay, 300 billion solar systems. Do you get that? Our Milky Way Galaxy has 300 billion sun solar systems, and our nearest solar system on, the scale, on that scale is 38,000 billion. Is that right? Let me get that figure right. It's 38,000 kilometers, rather, away. Let me go one step further. The universe, they reckon, has got something like half a billion galaxies. So you got it? A universe with half a billion galaxies. Each of those galaxies with about half a billion solar systems. And each of those solar systems divided by... 38,000 kilometers. How big is the universe? 
You're probably lost, aren't you? I'm lost too. How big is the universe? Fast! Immense! That's all scaled down. An absolutely immense place. Okay, and the God who created all that, the God who put all that together, the God who constructed all that, the God who can move across all that space, we're told, and it almost sounds unplausible, but we're told by one who is trustworthy. Listen to this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? the Son of Man, that you care for him. Do you get what God is trying to say to you? There's a message in, in that. Can you see what the message is? If, if the universe that he created is so vast and he is still interested in something so tiny as you, what is God trying to tell you there? It does, and something else, thank you. Yeah. Okay? If you ever doubt it, think to yourself, the vastness of that universe and my seeming insignificance in it tells me I am incredibly, incredibly significant, valued, and have a purpose. You know, the purpose, look, how, how important is the sun? <laughs> to me, it's really important. Okay? Really important, and especially in the summer. I know you're dreading the summer. Okay? To me, that's the highlight of Australian life. Okay? The sun is very, very important. And yet, I can't think of a scripture. Uh, look, I'm thinking on the spot now. I can't think of a scripture where it says, and God is mindful of the sun. Am I missing something? I, I can't look it up just now. I can't think of a scripture. There isn't one, is there? And yet, and yet, look, I'm getting a bit louder now, and yet, it says about you. That is said about you. About you. This is your significance in the scheme of things. It tells you, this Christian, that Whatever is happening in your life, at whatever level, at the deepest, most intimate, private level that you would want to share with anybody, God is interested in it. He's mindful. The thing you're worrying about right now, the thing you may have to face when you leave, when you leave here, or the thing you'll face when you wake up, and the, the thing you face the minute you stand up and you feel the weight of, of pressure on your back, or, or the weight of a situation that is waiting for you tomorrow, or a scenario that you're going to go back to, whatever that's bothering you, worrying you, is of concern to you that you may not even share, or you just get fed up of sharing, or people just get fed up of hearing, it's, it's part of, you know, we can sometimes be like that, can't we, with each other? God is mindful and interested and concerned. In fact, this is what he said. If, if this is how God clothes the grass of the field with the flowers and, and everything else, which is just here today and is tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Can you see the point he's saying? Look, if he puts that much effort into just grass, okay, 
How much more into you when grass? What do you do with grass? You step on it. Yesterday it was with the, with the, with the guys, with the lads. Yesterday morning, it's some ungodly hour for a Saturday morning. Seriously, Graham. You know, one day in a week when I get to stay in bed a little longer than the rest of the week. But one day. Okay? I'm treading on grass. Okay? At 7 a.m. Okay? That's how little value it has to us. And yet God is interested in the detail and he clothes it. Do you know this? God looks at grass and he clothes it and he thinks, wow. And yet he says, look, if that's how God looks at that so insignificant, how much more does he look at you with, with interest and concern and love? Verse 31, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? But God doesn't care about those things. Because the pagans run after all these things. You see, the ungodly only care about that because there's no one, as far as they're concerned, caring for them. And so they have to go crazy. But you, look, your heavenly Father knows, the one who created the universe, knows that a little person like you in this world needs clothes. Needs a meal. Needs help getting through tomorrow. Needs help right now to sit through that pain as you're pleading, begging that a guy would stop soon. He knows that you need some assurance about that situation facing you this week. He knows. He cares. And what Matthew 6, what Jesus is saying, is that he's already got it in hand. Which means I can walk out of here and know that Jesus has got my chief concern. The thing that most weighs me down, the thing that I think about most, worry about most, feel the most. He's already got something in hand for me. Hey, that means George is being watched over right this moment by someone who created the universe. And it means you have that very same God. Here's the wonderful thing about God. He multitasks. He can simultaneously take an interest in seven billion people and not, not, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? You know, not miss a thing, really. He can do that. I try that in the kitchen every now and then with two or three dishes and one of them falls, (laughs) okay? He can do seven billion people and not miss a thing, never miss a thing. Here's what the NIV commentary says. I think my time is nearly up. Our function on earth is... Oh, next point. That's the next point. Let me conclude. God is mindful. God's mindful interest in humanity. The last point, and I'll do it quickly. Humanity's responsibility as the guardians of the world. Hey, I want to say something which may, may you know, 
seem strange to you. Humanity's responsibility as the guardians of God's world. You made him, humanity, a, a ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the fields, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and all that swim in the paths of the sea. You're in charge of something, as well as I am. What are we in charge of? This planet. Which means immediately for you, for me, it means Durnan Court. You know, you know uh, for each of us, it means our little sphere to begin with. But it's bigger than that. It goes much bigger. Look, it all started in Eden. God blessed Adam and Eve. He says, be fruitful and multiply and rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living creature. We have a responsibility for our world. Here's what the NIV commentary says. Our function on earth is to maintain order, to shine God's light on creation, to keep, to keep a, a beneficent uh, oh, I'm losing my mind here, relationship with all that God has created on earth and in the sea. The great king has appointed the human race to maintain dominion over creation and not to be controlled by creation. I think the point of this is that every Christian ought to be interested in politics. I know that's a proper <laughs> horrible thing. Seriously. Every Christian ought to be have some interest. Do, you have a, do we have a Green Party here? Yeah? Every Christian has to have... Now, that doesn't mean we're supporting every one of their policies, okay? I don't want to get real political here. But it means we should have an interest in some of their goals. It means every Christian should pay an interest when there's a world disaster. And not just to, to benefit human life, but do you know when we had the bushfires here at the beginning of the year? It was wonderful, wasn't it, to see how humanity across the world was interested. That's a good and proper thing. It's a good thing to take care of this world. It's because God created it for his glory, for our enjoyment. Look, look. If I built a wonderful house for you, okay, maybe I'll do that for you someday. Okay, not, not on earth, in heaven I'm talking, okay? Maybe I'll do that for you someday, okay? And then you came into, I gave the house to you, left, and I came back a couple of years later, and the place was trashed. How do you think I feel? What do you think that says to me about what I did for you? Can you see the point? What's that saying? And it's like that with this world, friends. Hey, you know, when you look after your little patch, your little garden, and some of you got beautiful gardens, and, and do, you know, do you know what that's saying to God? They're saying, I appreciate what you've given me. And look what I've done with it, Jesus. You know, Jesus, how you created the big universe? Okay? Well, you know, with the little bits you gave me, this little backyard? I've created my own little space too. This is my little universe. Would I sit outside and, and have a, what do you drink? Uh, whatever. Cup of tea. Okay? This is my, do you know, that glorifies God. Hey, take pride. I'm talking to myself here. Take pride in your garden. <laughs> okay? Okay? Take pride in your world. Take pride in the universe. 
Hey, space travel. Wouldn't that be a lovely thing? An amazing thing. Let me tell you about the, the Javan or the, the, the Javan rhinoceros. There's only 60 left in the whole world. It may not matter to you and me if they're finally made extinct. But I can tell you, on the authority of God's word, if the last one dies, that will be a bad day in God's sight. Because when he created those beautiful creatures, he created them to glorify him. And hey, we take some responsibility for extinguishing the light that that rhino gives to the glory of God. Let's be interested more in God's creation than perhaps we already are. Colossians 1.16, He is before all things and in him all things hold together. The whole universe is glory to him. And the verse or the psalm finishes, O Lord, as it started, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Praise him. That's the point. Praise him, Christian. Let your children praise him. Teach your children to praise him. Revel in the fact that he cares for you. And cultivate the earth in so far as we're able so that it too praises and glorifies its creator. A great God and a valued humanity. And that's Psalm 8. Lord bless you. Amen.